Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Dime Droppers. 24-minute... No, I'm sorry. Not 24-minute recaps anymore. Playoff recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the the only game that happened tonight. The Nets and the Bucks game five. We're also going to be harping on the two games in Los Angeles for the Clippers to tie up the series because I was at both of them. The game four vlog will be coming tomorrow. Uh, the game three vlog is up. Go check it out. It has the least amount of views of any of the vlogs so far. Go check it out. I got some good stuff there. Get an inside look at the playoffs. And I'll probably talk, I'm going to talk about the Suns to finish it off before we go to the live chat with the subscribers. So let's start out with the Nets. It was a big must-win game for the Milwaukee Bucks in a tied series with the injuries that the Nets have sustained. Kyrie Irving with the ankle injury was out this game. But James Harden decided to play today with the hamstring. And I like it. I respect the decision to play. I respect how long he played. And yeah, I mean, if people were saying, you know, is it too risky? Look, this is what you play for. James Harden has no rings. The Brooklyn Nets have zero rings. If there's any time to risk it, it's right now. So I'm looking at this game, right? And the Bucks really set the tone. They threw the first punch. Giannis was aggressive. He was going to the basket. Drew Holiday was playing great, getting in pick and roll, coming off screens, getting in his bag like he so often does. Um, and then Chris Middleton was doing his thing as well. It was a great start for the Bucks. They were really on it defensively. P.J. Tucker was, again, clamping up KD. And KD, in the beginning, was not aggressive enough at all. I mean, only shot four shots in the first quarter. One of them was a really tough contested three. That wasn't even a good shot for him. And I was like, this is some LeBron shit right now. Like, he's, uh, we saw in uh, the Phoenix series. He's not coming out aggressive. And then James Harden, you could clearly tell, was not 100%. He was out there limping. You know, he was just, you could just tell. He wasn't driving at all. He didn't even try to get to the rim, like, one time. I don't think he stepped foot in the paint offensively. I could be wrong, but he stepped in there very few times. He clearly wasn't himself. He was just out there to spread the ball around, just be a threat out there, be a decoy essentially, and just make certain passes. And I think that it definitely helped having him out there as opposed to not. I think that also just a confidence thing as well, just having two of your stars, even if one of them's not at 100%. But let's be honest. The, the, the Bucks threw the first punch. They were up 29-15 to 15 at the, after the first quarter. But the second quarter, I thought it was a very even even affair, but that's when Kevin Durant really started to pick it up. And I thought that he started getting into his spots. I think he was making it, the game a little too complicated for himself um, in the beginning, but I thought he started to get into his spots better. Uh, there was a couple times where Blake Griffin, you know, made a nice pass to him, a nicer entry pass, uh, where Katie was cutting off the ball or just playing a little bit more off the ball, but that was only for like a little stretch in that second quarter. But overall, the Milwaukee Bucks had what they needed you know, going into halftime, a 16-point lead. You got one half to get the job done. They were up by like 20 points. And then the third quarter, you know, it's it's been like that for the Clippers. The third quarter, 
that has been a killer in changing the entire um, flow of the game. And that's exactly what happened tonight. And it starts with the Durantula. You know, he picked it up in that second quarter. But this was the type of game where all week I've heard, and I don't really speak on these stuff, on these things, because I'm not a fanboy. But I heard all these, you know, the cult talking about, oh, KD can't do what Braun does. He can't carry a team. He can't set the table for his teammates. He's not really a, a passer. All this stuff. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Durant can do high pick and roll all game long and create good looks for his teammates. It's all a matter of if they're hitting shots. And once Jeff Green started hitting those threes, the whole game started changing. He's hitting those threes. Some of them were closely contested. Then you got my boy Blake Griffin hitting threes, making plays. So now they got to respect the shooters. And they go. then they started going high pick and roll at like half court to bring Brooke Lopez out because you got to honor KD's jump shot coming off the screen. You know, and Brooke Lopez is coming out in the space. He doesn't want KD to pull up for a mid-range or an 18-footer. And KD started getting downhill, getting to the basket, getting some and ones, being aggressive. And after that, you know, instead of putting two on KD off the pick and roll, drop coverage, and Kevin Durant was cooking Brooke Lopez. This is where the poor IQ of the of the Milwaukee Bucks sets in, though. You got KD making this run. James Harden's a pedestrian on both ends of the court, mind you. He was a big liability. He was walking around like he was strolling around in Central Park. I'm dead-ass serious. You guys watch that game on defense. He had, like, maybe one or two good defensive possessions. He was on a stroll, but... The Nets, especially Kevin Durant also, I just thought his communication, he was like the first to rotate under the basket if need be. And I just thought that the Nets, you know, as the game went on, and I thought KD just led by example on both, both ends of the court in that fashion. But here's my thing with the Nets, or the Bucks. You know, Budenholzer has been under a lot of scrutiny the last year and, and the last two years, this season included. And Brooke Lopez is getting absolutely torched in pick and roll. We've seen this movie before. They they have him, you know, smaller guys are guarding Brooke Lopez every time down the court. And I'm not talking Kevin Durant to the world. I'm talking James Harden. I'm talking Bruce Brown. They don't feed him the ball at all. He's, you know, his stat line looks good. 6 of 10 from the, from the field and 3 of 5 from 3. I'd like to know... How many of those were in the first half? Because he's you got your center who had all those mismatches shooting zero free throws. You know, he's not getting the ball in the post, so he's not taking advantage of any mismatch. And he's actually one of the centers in the league. Yes, his post game may not be good as it used to be when he was in Brooklyn, but he is no bum. You know, he has skill in the post. He hit one jump hook, and Charles and them were alluding to it at halftime, and they're not going to go to him. Okay, you're killing every mismatch. Then there's the other mismatch on the court which is Brooke Lopez on the other end of the floor. And oh, I'm sorry, that, that was the point I was making, that he's not making upward in the offense to be even in the game. So Budenholzer should go with Giannis at the five a lot more. I mean, it persisted way too long with Brooke Lopez. And then here's another thing I got to give KD credit for. Bill Russell-esque stayed in the whole game. How often you see that in the modern era? Staying in the whole game. Not one minute out. Not even two minutes out. The whole game. And this was a vintage carry job by Durant. And the reason why I say that, he did not do it alone. The reason why I say he carried him is because offensively, he was creating almost all the looks. Yeah, James Harden had a nice and one in the third, where, again, I will say this too. KD doesn't get the same whistle a lot of stars get. I'd even go as far as to say that Kawhi gets a better whistle than him. 
You know, LeBron, uh, James Harden, Jokic, Embiid, these guys get all better whistle than KD. James Harden went to the basket, the same hand check that P.J. Tucker, if not, even a, I would say a softer hand check, but I don't remember who it was on James Harden. And James Harden just, you know, flails and throws it up and banks it in. KD's getting that all game. He just doesn't flop as much. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the uh, official there. But anyway, I like that. And then James Harden found Joe Harris, who had a struggle of a night shooting the ball. But he found him on a cut. It was really nice. And James Harden had a struggle, too. I mean, 1 of 10 from the field for James, 0 of 8 from 3. And then 1 of 5 from Bruce Brown, 0 of 1 from 3. Joe Harris, 2 of 11, and 1 of 7 from 3. So if you put those three together, that's three starters, they were a combined 4 for 26 from the field. Blake Griffin, 17 points, 7 of 11 from the field, and 3 of 6 from 3. But it was the Durantula just cooking, and then he started getting hot from 3. But my thing is this with the Bucks, Despite what I just said about Brooke Lopez and, you know, persisting with him in the pick and roll, there were other ways that they lost this game. The IQ of the Milwaukee Bucks, some of the worst basketball IQ I have ever seen. But you know this, I've been calling this out since before the season. I've said it since uh, those uh, Is the NBA Getting Better and Better episodes. This era has the lowest basketball IQ of them all. It's undeniable. The game is taught in a stupid fashion. It's all numbers-based. There are areas of the game that are neglected. The little things don't matter anymore because the league has made it an offense-heavy league because that's what the casual fan wants to see. So a lot of possessions aren't valued, and these guys are coming out there chucking. And the defensive fundamentals are poor. We already talked about the youth level, everything. It's just ridiculous. And I'm going to give you some examples. Drew Holiday. I mean, I love Drew Holiday. And I don't think he was that bad at all. But he made some decisions very questionable, holding on to the ball a little too long. I think a lot of players in today's NBA, like 75% of great scores in today's league, they just take too long to get to their moves. And, you know, I think it's because a lot of guys aren't comfortable in that mid-range area off one or two dribbles. Like, that's why Devin Booker, I think, is killing so much in these playoffs because he's got such a well-versed offensive game. And I think a lot of guys like to survey what the defense is giving because like, they like to zone up and load up and all this shit, given the, the spacing of the modern league. But sometimes you got to just go before the defense can react. Get to your move. One, two dribbles quick. And I think that you know all the Bucks players, because the pressure's on, you know the crowd's into it, it's a must-win scenario. They kind of choked it up. And Chris Middleton settled for some really bad shots. Drew Holiday settled for some really bad shots. But the ones that really pissed me off are when, one, you want you don't look for the mismatch. Two, you don't go at James Harden on a bum ankle. Like, you got to be going at him. Make them take him out. Like, where's the strategy here, man? Where's the strategy? And then, I haven't even gotten to it yet. Because I wanted to just finish off in that third quarter where the Nets outscored the Bucks 38-28, made it a six-point game. But the fourth quarter offense was just a joke. Just constant isolation. But Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. One of them was an un- he, I know he was two of four from three. One of them was completely unnecessary. But some of the decisions that Giannis made down the stretch of this game. How long have we talked about Giannis being a screener, being better, as opposed to him dribbling at the top of the key? Let Middleton, let Drew Holiday make those decisions. Especially when Drew Holiday, you know, he's not having the worst shooting night. He was 50% shooting around this fourth quarter time that I'm talking about. And... He's just charging at people on the top of the key. And there was one possession that irked me so much. 
And it was Drew Holiday had James Harden in isolation. Again, doing what I'm saying and um, going at trying to go at James Harden one-on-one. And Giannis, because they're sagging off on him like they always do. A guy's sagging at the foul line. He's 18 feet away. And he's clapping and screaming at Drew Holiday for the ball. And I know what Drew Holiday's thinking at that time. I've been in that position on the court. When there's a guy better than you on the court and he's screaming and yelling at you from the ball. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Give it to his big ego because if he's going to miss, he has no one but himself to blame. But then you end up regretting that decision and staying as a point guard. Shut the fuck up. You're not playing that well right now. I'm going to do this because this is better for our team. And there were moments in my, in my time playing basketball growing up that I, I should have done that. And Drew Holiday needed to do that right there because they gave the ball to Giannis. You know, this is his team. He goes Giannis Antetokounmpo charge Kumpo right into Jeff Green. Offensive foul. I mean, as predictable as to me. And then Middleton went over and talked to him. And then, again, on a following possession, you know, two minutes left in the game, Giannis has James Harden on him in the post. And one, and, and then, you know, James says, no, I don't need the help. Because James Harden is actually one thing I will give him. He's decent as a post defender because he's strong and guys don't have post game today. And this dude settles for a turnaround over his right shoulder in which he is not that good, fading away against the 6'5", James Harden. No post game at all. He was like one of three in jump hooks in this game, Giannis. And his stat line looks beautiful. He played like ass going down the stretch of the game. And I'm rooting for the Bucks hard. But Giannis also, two-point game. Kevin Durant makes a... I think it was Durant that made the three to get him the lead down the stretch. But I also think that Shamit, you know, good old Shamit, he's a confidence player. If you heard my podcast in the Glorified Summer League, he's all confidence. He hits a shot. He hit that three in the left corner. And then all of a sudden, he gets to the rim. He hits an 18-footer. Nine points, three of five from the field from Landry. Uh, he was plus 10. I thought that he, you know, just contributed by making open shots. But definitely, that end of the game, Giannis dropped the ball. He literally dropped the ball. Chris Middleton made a great move on KD between the legs. He got by him, scooped it up, and Giannis drops the ball into the basket. Not to mention he was 4 of 7 from the line. I believe two of those came in the fourth quarter. An absolute colossal choke job by the Milwaukee Bucks all the way around. I think Giannis and Bud can be blamed the most. I think that Giannis just needs to realize that, you know, you may not be able to get it to him down the stretch. I know he feels the need that he needs to put the team on his back, but he doesn't need to do that. And it's not best for him to do that because he's reckless. He has no bag still when it really counts. And I have a feeling the Bucks blew the series tonight because this gave the Nets life. Kevin Durant put on a performance for the ages. It was unbelievable. And by the way, the modern-day Shaq stopped insulting Shaquille O'Neal. Now we have to stop with that. It's really disrespectful at this point to compare Giannis to Shaq. Like, just because they charge in. Like, no, Shaq had way more skill. It's, like, not even it's not even on the same stratosphere. And he's a much smarter basketball player, I might add. Um, and I love Giannis, but come on. Total disrespect. It's Shaq's honestly doing himself a disservice by saying that. Anyway, um, that's the final from Brooklyn. 3-2. I think the Bucks are done, personally. I think this game was the – they blew it. But, you know, I could be wrong, especially considering Harden was – I think they'll. It could be easily a game, easily a game seven. But this is the type of game that could, you know, kill your morale. You know, one fourteen to one hundred eight, the Bucks by six. And here's my thing about KD. He still didn't get into like good areas on the court necessarily in terms of like, you know, it's only the way he played tonight. That high pick and roll uh, really only works when the guys are making shots. 
Because when they're not making shots, I, if you're a scorer like Katie, you got to go to the post. You got to try to get in the mid range and post up and try to find ways to to score, even when they send help in doubles around the basket. But he didn't need to do that today because the shooters were making shots. And I don't think KD likes going in the post, in the mid-post, just like LeBron weighs, even though he has the skill to do it. But I think he's going to need to do it later down the line, depending on the help that he has. But anyway, what a performance by Durantula. I saw I was mad at himself. By the way, I'm going to read the lines of the Bucks first, actually. Um, Drew Holiday, 19 points, 7 of 16, so not horrendous. 3 of 7 from 3. He made some poor decisions, but I honestly don't think he played badly at all, really. I think he should have gotten the ball more at the end of the games, if anything. He had eight assists, um, which is the most on the team, of course. Brooke Lopez's stat line looks good. I thought he was not very good. 15 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. He was getting killed in pick and roll. And they weren't, you know, he wasn't even trying to post up on mismatches. I don't think that's part of their strategy. Whatever. Chris Middleton, 25 points, 8 of 22. Took some really bad shots in the second half. 3 of 10 from 3. 25 points. I think he was okay. I think he could have been better. I think that Giannis, again, I just think that he sets a poor tone sometimes with the, the plays that he makes. Sometimes he can be really boneheaded at really bad times, and it can kill momentum. 34 points, 12 rebounds, and 4 assists for Giannis. 14 of 22 and 2 of 4 from 3. It looks like he had an amazing game. Trust me, he did not. Um... Kevin Durant. 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 48 minutes played. I might also add that James Harden played 46 minutes, so that's very impressive. And I don't know if that that could come back to bite. But Kevin Durant had one of the best performances of, enti- of his entire career. I always say that KD doesn't explode. Tonight he exploded. Bravo. <coughs> I really wanted the Bucks to win, but between coaching decisions, poor play from the star, or stars, they may have just blown this series. The Bucks lead it 3-2. Let's talk about the Clippers a bit. So both games took a similar turn. It really starts in the beginning of the game with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George taking the challenge of guarding Donovan Mitchell, specifically Kawhi, and he did a lot more of that. And I liked our strategy to double late in the shot clock. I don't know why. I guess it just, you know, it's easier for us to rotate. And the players, you know, Donovan holding the ball long. And the players getting the ball late in the shot clock without, you know, the ball moving constantly. It's very late. The rhythm isn't the same. And I, and then, of course, Rudy Escar Gobert not taking advantage of switches. And the main difference, the Jazz aren't making all those threes that they make at home. And also the main difference... Kawhi and Paul George setting the tone on both ends of the court to st- uh, to start the game. It's really what it comes down to. I mean, the first, the game three, we didn't start out amazing. Game four, though, we were all over them. Kawhi and Paul attacking the basket, even against Rudy at times. But the mid-range area, that's what we have that the Jazz do not. Donovan is a solid mid-range shooter. He's not been taking enough of them. And no one else, really. I mean, Bogdanovich can at times, but they're in love with the three ball. And we're living with that because... They don't always go in. Live by the jumper, die by the jumper. And we can be like that too. But we have Kawhi Sr. and Paul George who are more dynamic scorers. They can get in that mid-range area. And Kawhi and Paul, they've just been phenomenal. But you got to give credit to Nick Batum. I mean, yesterday, how many incredible rotations did he have? 
you know, when they're throwing the ball to Rudy on the dump down, he is right there getting his hands active. Got like three steals in the first quarter. He was phenomenal. I mean, Terrence, man, the, the minutes and the energy that he's giving, and he's been giving all season, all playoffs, huge. Last night, game four, Marcus Morris Sr. finally had a good game, and he's such an X factor for the Clippers. He had 24 points on 6 of 11 from the field and 5 of 6 from 3. And again, finally, the Clippers had a good shooting night, 15 of 37 from the three ball, 40.5%, which is more, which is closer to season average. But Paul George, I mean, we got to give him his props. We were talking shit about him in the first two games, but he really responded. 31 points in game four. Kawhi with 31 points, including an absolute poster. One of the best dunks I've ever seen live against Derek Favors. Oh my God. The Jazz were deep into another possession, and I was still looking at that replay. Everybody was. I mean, it was incredible. But Paul George, you know, when Kawhi kind of had that little, seemed like a little injury at the end, Paul George had some huge shots, you know, and that's what happens at home. You have that level of comfort. We didn't have that in Dallas, against Dallas, I guess, but this team just happens to play well with their backs against the wall, and it really pisses me off because it makes me think, why can't we always play like that? We play with, it's just all about the way we compete, our energy, and the way the stars play. We are a better team than the Jazz when it's no Conley, no Ibaka. We are, because we really have two stars to their to their one. I mean, Rudy Go Escar Gobert, he's good at what he does, but he's not that great. And this is what I mean. He can't take advantage of a mismatch. And when we spread the floor like this with the five-out offense and he sits out in the paint, we get open threes galore. And Batum was knocking him down. And Senior's knocking him down. And Kawhi and Paul George are getting him in space. And when they're hitting the mid-range, it's a different ball game. Yeah, Rudy likes to sit back. Uh, and he does a decent job on those switches. I'm not going to lie. But we'll take that. We'll take that all day. That's barbecue escargobert. Anyway, I mean... Yeah, the shots are not going in for Utah on the road as much. And Jordan clanks in a big part of it, just coming out there chucking. Every time he gets the ball, I know he's going to throw it up there. And we're comfortable with that. I mean, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, and Patrick Beverly last night was awesome. I mean, his energy was more than just running around out there. I think he's starting to get back into his groove. And that the groove meaning not a shooting groove, but just, just mucking up the game and just, just being comfortable again, playing basketball. Comfortable playing basketball, and it's just a one. It's just a whole different effort from top to bottom, and just a whole different attention to detail, and a whole different level of commitment from our stars. It's really all about the stars. So if Kawhi and Paul George can come out tomorrow with that same level of energy and that same level of performance, I think we're gonna be fine and we're gonna win. This is it, guys. We responded against adversity again, and I didn't say we weren't going to. I just said that I didn't trust them, and they did it. They really did it again, making me. Making me, you know, shut me up a little bit. But here's the thing. We've been here before. With different Clipper teams. Game 5 in 2014 and Game 5 in 2006 were the ones that blew it. We need this next game. We cannot afford to go into a packed house in Utah for Game 7. I just do not like our chances. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't like our chances. And think of it this way. If we win tomorrow in Utah, and momentum is with us right now, go back to a packed house for the first time at Staples Center since March of 2020 for a chance at history to break the curse in front of the home fans, 18,000 strong. 
an opportunity of a lifetime for player and fan. Kawhi can say all he wants. They didn't care about it because he's a champion. That's fine. I guarantee you that moment will be beyond something you can't care about if it happens. And for all the other players that maybe haven't been to the conference finals and love just playing for the Clippers. I know Paul George is going to be happy if that happens. I know everyone's going to. I mean, Kawhi will be his focused self, whatever, and everyone will be focused. But, man, for us fans especially, I mean, they're the ones. These guys haven't been Clippers for long. I've been with this franchise for 16 years going to games. You know what I'm saying? I don't know I'm playing for the team. I don't affect the game. We yada, yada, yada. Whatever. We're the fans that are keeping this team in this city and able to have a new stadium. But anyway, it's, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. They got to execute tomorrow, man. We deserve this. We deserve this. I really, I really may shed tears if we do, but I can't think about what we're going to do if we do, if that, because whenever I think that, it's when it all goes wrong. So let's go to another team that has actually done something, and that is the Phoenix Suns. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns with the absolute domination of the Denver Nuggets. You know, they completely outplayed them the whole series. Jokic just really lacked the help. The Suns' defense, they're just so on a string. I think they're the most well-oiled machine in the league in terms of, I think they do the least amount of dumb shit, and they're the most connected as a ball club on both ends of the court. Uh, both ends of the court. And Devin Booker's just been phenomenal all playoffs. He's been an absolute killer, especially in closeout games. And then CP3 with the performance of the ages. You know, for the second time when he's made the conference finals, and it really hurts me because, you know, we had Chris Paul for six of the best years of his career. Six of the eight or nine best years of his career. We didn't make the conference finals once, and he's made it twice in four years. I don't know. It just really hurts. I wanted it so bad, and I wanted it for Chris. Um, but I think it really comes down to the fact that Devin Booker is a better player than Blake Griffin ever was, and DeAndre Ayton's a better player than DeAndre uh, Jordan ever was. And their role players, 3 and D guys, are better than we had. And, you know, Jay Crowder's been phenomenal since that Game 3 of the Lakers series. Mikhail Bridges has been phenomenal. You know, Chris Paul in that mid-range area, you know, they were killing Jokic in drop coverage. And Jokic was great. You know, I thought he had a really good series and an amazing season, and it was sucks to end with the ejection and a sweep. But um, I don't think he got enough assistance. And I think that his defensive, you know, when, when the shooters are making shots, hedge and recover is a little bit not as good. And, you know, they went to drop coverage. And I think that's even stupider. I think they should have just stayed in hedge and recover. Because I'd rather have that than Chris Paul getting in his mid-range. And then campaign has just been phenomenal as well. The Suns are just rolling on all cylinders. And I'm telling you this right now. If there was ever a chance for CP3 to win a championship, it's right here. It's right there. This is it. In this weird season, coming off the bubble with a lot of injuries in the West wide open and a potential injured Nets team, this is it. And Devin Booker, man, to make it a, his first conference finals immediately and just be such a huge part of that, so you got to give a lot of credit to the kid. He is, And the fact that he didn't make all NBA teams is just a travesty. And I'm not even going to spam on it because I already talked about the media and how terrible it is in today's NBA and that it's the worst it's ever been. It's not basketball talk anymore and it should not be respected. And you guys should not listen to it and not take these awards seriously. Like Jokic, yes, consensus MVP, cool. These all NBA, all defensive, there's a lot of casuals in the media, there's a lot of fanboys in the media and right now it's just about ratings and views and clickbait shit. So you can't put any stock into a lot of these awards. It's just not the same as the past and I don't think about it when evaluating players one bit, quite frankly. And not everyone has to be like me, but that's just my... Advice to you to judge for yourself because these guys are, these media people are just the same as you. They're people that are watching basketball that didn't play pro. Some of them did, but that doesn't mean they're watching as much as you. 
So, hey, I don't know, man. Take it with a grain of salt. But anyway, I thought that, yeah, congratulations to the Suns, man. They've, they've been amazing. The fans have been amazing for them. They look like they really can do this. I think we can beat them, and I think we will beat them if we make it and break the curse. But it's a matter of getting there. And I think that Jazz-Suns potential series would be a toss-up. But the Suns are getting rest, and that's huge for them. And especially if they play us, they'll have rest and home court. And Chris Paul, man, he is so hungry. I think he's the hungriest player in the NBA for a ring. And you got, I mean, the fact that he's turned this team around, I mean, it's a lot of factors. It's not just Chris Paul. And he's getting a and I, that's my favorite player ever. He's getting way too much credit, way too much dick right from the media. But he has helped turn this team around. It's not just him, though. I mean, DeAndre Aiden has made strides this year. He was suspended for half the year. Um, but that combo, Chris Paul, D-Book, Aiden, and then the Jay Crowder, he wins wherever he goes. And campaign has really stepped it up for Chris Paul in this playoffs. And by the way, you know, Michael Porter Jr., his shot selection is god-awful. He's the lowest basketball IQ, again, going back to that. His defense is terrible in every way. His rotation's poor, lateral movement poor, bad contests, everything. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Jokic is the best player in the league. I think he's great, but I think Steph Curry is still better than him. It's really Steph Curry, KD, and Kawhi right now fighting for that spot to me. It's those three. But, anyway, guys, we'll be live post-game tomorrow, win or lose. It's game five. Um, I'll probably talk about the Sixers-Hawks series. I didn't watch game four, so I'll try to watch some of that tonight. And a lot, and the vlog will be up in the daytime. Go watch one of my vlogs, guys. Come on. I'm at the games giving you guys live footage. You know, I don't know how many YouTubers are doing that. Playoff footage. And game six is going to be electric, so y'all better watch. But let's go to the live subscribers. 30 minutes in. We'll give you a nice 15 minutes here. A nice attendance. 71 people. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. Let me know what you think of the recap. Go Clips. Laker fans that are rooting for the Jazz, you're despicable. Suck it. You suck. Peace.